You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. While our world is in a season of uncertainty, we know God rules over all things. In this series, we'll explore the opportunity before us to reflect, recalibrate our lives, and return to God with all of our hearts. If you've got your Bible, hopefully you're in Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament, so it's one of the uh, the major prophets, and the reason why we call them major prophets is because they're really long. And so it doesn't mean like they're more important, it's just that their books are way longer. So uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, it's in the latter half of the Old Testament. So if you've got it, I encourage you to stand with me in honor of reading God's word. So Jeremiah 29, we're going to read verses uh, 1 through 9. So hear the word of the Lord. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people uh, Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiachin uh, and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. Uh, he entrusted the letter to Elisah, son of Shaphan, and to uh, Jemariah, son of Hilkiah. And I rehearsed all these things, but once you get uh, on a video, it kind of goes a little crazy. Uh, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. And this is what it said. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we just uh, ask that you would continue to do what you've already been doing in our lives, and that is to speak to us, God. Help us to hear what you have to say to us through this prophet, Jeremiah. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we, as we talked a little bit about last week, we're, we're kind of launching into a new series just for a few weeks here. And and we're just trying, uh, by God's grace, to see this crisis as not just a massive interruption to our normal lives, uh, but also an invitation that God has given to us. An invitation for us to, um, yeah, to, to examine our own life, to, uh, to see what God is doing in us, and to see what God is doing also in our world. And, and, and deal with things like, how do we deal with disappointment, which is what we looked at last week, and talked about writing a lament, which is just an um, just an honest cry before the Lord that leads us to a deeper trust and deeper hope in Jesus. And so this morning, I just want to spend a, a few minutes here uh, talking a little bit about like how do, we, um, how do we deal with this kind of disorientation that we're all experiencing 
and feeling in our lives. I don't know about you, but never before uh, has something like this affected my daily living uh, like it is today. I mean, I was alive, obviously, when 9-11 hit, and that was a massive um, uh, eye-opening and awakening experience for us all. But I, I would say, other than people that are probably in the heart of New York City, our daily living, so to speak, did not change a whole lot. But this coronavirus has changed our daily living. And I would say the best way I can describe it, it is rather disorienting. I mean, even, even what we're doing this morning is really disorienting. I mean, it is so weird uh, to stand up here and look at a bunch of empty seats. It's just, it's hard. It's difficult. It's disorienting. I mean, I, as most of you guys know, I mean, I play off on the crowd. A lot of communication is kind of reading the audience and what's going on. And I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea how this is landing. Uh, I don't know how my humor's landing. I'm just making the massive assumption that every joke I say, you guys are dying laughing or at least sending some, I don't know, laughy emojis. I guess that's what you would call it. I I'm not real tech savvy. But this is really disorienting. And I'm sure if you're going out uh, to the stores, it's disorienting there. I mean, uh, blue tape is what we would use to kind of mark off an area that we didn't want to get paint on. Now blue tape is being used to mark off areas where you stand six feet away from each other. Like they're marking where you can stand in line. I went to one place where it actually had a box where you stood in this box and that blue tape marked off that box. A lot of us are, are walking into stores and it just, I don't know, um, it just feels like everybody's very cautious and we're, we're looking at each other, walking really slow. I found myself at times um, and walking in aisles that I felt like, all right, this isn't going to be six feet. There's not going to be any social distancing. So I just kind of hold my breath and go at it. And hopefully I can make it to the end of the aisle before uh, passing out. And hopefully that's giving some kind of laughs there. But I, I think all of us would agree that this is very disorienting. And so the question I'm just wanting to as best we can this morning, is how do we live now? How do we, how do we kind of navigate these disorienting uh, experiences that we're all feeling? Well, I think um, what's going on in the nation of Israel, as we saw and read in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, I think there's a lot that we can learn here to help us during uh, these, these moments and these spaces of feeling very disoriented. So I, I said this last week, uh, the nation of Israel is defined by kind of two uh, big events in their lives, all right? They, this is kind of how they, uh, their identity is formed. They're kind of almost bookends to their, uh, to their lives. One of them is Egypt, the Exodus, where, where God came and rescued them out of slavery. So that's one, the Exodus. And then the other one on the other extreme of this is what we call exile, where, where God, who is a good father, disciplines his children because they refuse to listen and obey and repent when God sent numbers and numbers of prophets to say, stop, stop your idol worship, stop giving your lives to things that are not worth giving your life to and return back to me. And eventually, uh, God disciplined his people and the fall of Jerusalem kind of marks this in 586 BC where the nation of Babylon comes and destroys the city of Jerusalem. And what happens then is that there's a group of people that stay in the city of Jerusalem, and then there's a large group of people that are exiled into the city of Babylon. And just like, um, I mean, similar, similar to what we've experienced, like 
it's almost like overnight our lives has radically changed. They've become very disorienting. And the same for the nation of Israel in this time when Babylon took these, or when the nation of Babylon took these exiles from Jerusalem into their nation, their lives were radically changed. And I maybe even say in an understatement, man, their life was really disorienting also. And so here's all I want to do this morning is I want to say, like, what can we learn? Like, what can we learn from them? Yeah, yeah, granted, we're not, um, you know, we're not suffering under God's punishment of some national sin. That's not what's going on here. But there is uh, some things that we can learn from the nation of Israel that's in exile here, specifically from this letter that Jeremiah is writing to them in chapter 29. And so I just want to camp on a one big idea here that I believe we can learn uh, from the nation of Israel as they are in exile, feeling very disoriented. And here's what I want to kind of unpack. We need to turn down the volume on who and what is not helpful, and we need to turn up the volume to what who to what who and where is helpful. I kind of butchered that really, really bad. I'll say it again. We need to turn down the volume on who and what is not helpful, and we need to turn the volume up to what is. Or, as Jeremiah says it pretty clearly, we need to put a deaf ear to false words because they're not helpful. And so let me show you where I'm, where I'm, where I'm getting this. I want to go to the end here. So start in verses 8 and 9 and kind of work our way up. So look what Jeremiah says here in verse 8. He's writing this letter to the exiles that are in Babylon, trying to help them understand, like, what am I supposed to do right now? This feels very disorienting. Look what he says here starting in verse 8. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So, so during this exile into Babylon, there were other prophets. Specifically, one is Hananiah. And you can read about kind of what he's saying in Jeremiah chapter 28, they were also coming to the people of Israel and basically telling them exactly what they wanted to hear. So, so what did the nation of Israel want to hear while they're in exile? Well, I'll tell you, one, they wanted to know this was going to be short-lived. Like, they wanted to know with confidence that this little excursion, so to speak, that they're in is going to be short-lived. It's going to be a few months, a couple years, whatever it is. And that's exactly what Hananiah and other prophets were telling them, saying, hey, this is only going to be a couple years, short-lived. They also wanted to know that God was going to pay back Babylon really quickly and punish them for what they did to the nation of Israel. And that's exactly what Hananiah and other prophets were saying. Hey, God's going to come and, 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 and put a, you know, his, you know, I'm, I'm making up stuff here. It's, it's in there. But put his hands around the throat of the king of Babylon and destroy them and, and pay them back for what they did to the nation of Israel. And the third thing that they're wanting is they're wanting to get back to their homeland is what they're after. And so there are prophets and even these sort of magicians or diviners that the nation of Israel is going to say, will you dream dreams for us that tells us that we're going to get back to Jerusalem really quickly, Babylon's going to be punished, and we're going to get back to our homeland. So, so this is just a, 
just a short little excursion of what's going on here. And so Jeremiah sends this letter and says, you need to stop listening to them because they're telling you lies. In fact, what he says in verse 10 is that this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed. So this is not a short excursion. This is not a two-year deal. Now you're going to be there for 70 years. And here's what you're to do. Look what he says here in verse 5. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. This is why it's a big deal for Jeremiah to speak to the nation of Israel in exile and tell them to stop listening to lies. Turn down the volume to what is not helpful for you Why? Because first, if you continue to listen to these lies, you will sacrifice your needed presence in the city of Babylon. See, their temptation, man, is if they believe these false prophets and these lies, is that they would just hide, that they would escape, that they wouldn't engage, that they wouldn't contribute to society, that they wouldn't work for the common good of their neighbors, but they would just try to kind of protect themselves and keep themselves safe here because, hey, it's only a couple years. But that's not what God wants them to do. God wants his people to be present where he puts them. He doesn't want them to try to get back to Jerusalem, and he doesn't want them to try to take over Babylon. He wants them to continue to live what God has always called his people to live, and that is to be a light to the nations. And so this call to be a light to the nations does not stop because they're not in their homeland quote, unquote. But even in exile, there's a greater opportunity for them to shine bright because now the nations are next to them. They're, they're now with the nations. And so, so follow me. So Jeremiah is going, look, if you continue to listen to the lies of the prophets that are not speaking the truth of God, then you are going to sacrifice your life-giving presence in the city of Babylon. And not only are you going to do that, but secondly, you're going to also sacrifice your prayers for Babylon. Are you following me? So if you, if you continue to listen to the lies of the prophets, if you don't turn them down, you're going to sacrifice your life-giving, God-given presence in the city of Babylon, and you're also going to sacrifice your prayers for Babylon. Look what he says here. This is crazy, verse 7. Look what he says that they need to be doing. So not only increase in number and and not decrease, go marry, build houses, you know, plant yourself, root yourself, but also look what it says here. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. That word peace and prosperity comes from the word shalom, and shalom basically means this. It's a division of order and harmony, fruitfulness and abundance, wholeness and beauty, joy and well-being. So so seek the well-being of the city. What city? The city of Babylon, to which I have carried you into exile. Babylon's not carried you into exile. I, God God himself, has carried you into exile. And look what else he says here. Pray 
to the Lord for it. Well, what is it? Well, it is the city of Babylon. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So not only are you to kind of root yourself here, but God has commanded you to pray for the city that actually carried you in to captivity. Root yourself here. Pray for them. Yes, the very city that just murdered your family and your friends and ripped you out of your home, you are to pray for their prosperity because when they prosper, you also prosper. You are to pray for their shalom, their well-being, their abundance, their wholeness. And Jeremiah is saying this, if you continue to listen to the false prophets, if you do not turn down that volume, then you will sacrifice praying for the city of Babylon. So look, I mean, make the connections here. This is all I'm trying to do, just make some connections. What Jeremiah's trying to get after here in this text, and it's a beautiful reminder for us, is that who and what you listen to really matters. And especially in times of sort of disorientation, who and what you listen to matters because that gets into your interior world that then affects your very presence to your family, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, and it also affects your prayers to God on their behalf. What and who you listen to matters. So look, just like Jeremiah is encouraging the nation of Israel to do, I'm I'm encouraging us to do this also. Where in your life do you need to turn the volume down? That is not helpful for you. And in fact, it's just creating more fear and anxiety in you and hindering you from being the kind of presence that God wants you to be. For some of us, we might need to turn the volume down with all the streaming that's going on and the movies that we're watching to kind of fill our time here. I think I read one study where streaming services is up 40% right now over the last two weeks. I think it's called the, the Nielsen rating, something like that. I don't have a crowd to know if I'm saying this right or not. So, uh, But you know what I'm talking about. It's just the rating they do when they have TV shows and tell us how many people are tuning in. Like It's going through the roof right now. It's the highest rating they've ever had in years. And I'm not saying, guys, it's wrong for us to be watching movies or streaming something on Netflix, Hulu, whatever you do. I'm just saying this, that this is a reminder for all of us that watching something on TV or whatever platform you watch it is not just something that you do, it's also doing something to you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've watched the movies like I Am a Legend and Contagion. They're really good movies. I don't know how helpful they are right now, amen? And I'm just encouraging us that maybe God is inviting us to not fill all of our space with what we can stream, with what we can watch on TV, because it's not just something that we do, it's doing something to us. Maybe we need to turn the volume down in our lives there. Some of us need to turn the volume down when it comes to social media and comes to press, and I'm not telling us to not be uninformed on all that's going on in our country. I think there's some wisdom for all of us to listen to the daily briefing that Governor Bashir gives to us every day at five o'clock. 
But I am saying this, I, I, and I don't know what the line is for you, and you need to draw your own line, but I do think there's a line you need to draw to where you need to stop and turn this stuff down because all it's doing is increasing fear and anxiety in your own life that therefore is hindering your presence and your prayers. I can't give you a formula. I'm not trying to do that at all. But for some of us, we need to turn the volume down when it comes to our intake of press and media. Others of us need to turn the volume down on some preachers and pastors that we have a tendency to lean toward during times of uncertainty because these preachers and pastors have a way of speaking to where um, it kind of tickles your desire to have control. That if I do this, say this, pray this, then it's going to protect me and my family from the coronavirus. Uh, I've Literally saw things online where they're trying to sell the silver solution that if you take this silver solution or literally if you touch the screen of your TV and you've got the coronavirus or if you don't have it yet, if you'll touch the screen of the TV, I will pray for you and you will be healed of the coronavirus and it will not touch you or your family. Look, guys, that is not God talk. That is demonic talk. And all they're trying to do is destroy lives through enriching themselves. And not only do we need to turn the volume down from there, we need to turn the volume completely off. It's heartbreaking to hear that stuff. You don't believe me? Do some Googling for silver solution and people, pastors tell them to touch the screen of the TV in order to be healed of the coronavirus. So look, I'm just giving you a few examples here. And, And please hear me, man. This is not in any way a posture of like, hey, this is what I gotta do to get God on my side. Like the the good news of the gospel is that we always work from acceptance. We work from love. We work from value and worth. We don't work for that. We're just, I'm just saying, hey, this this is a way that God's inviting us during this absurd, disorienting time for us to examine our own lives and say, where do I need to turn the volume down? Jeremiah says, stop listening to these lies because it's impacting your presence and your prayers in exile. And in the same way, there are places where we need to turn the volume down because all it's doing is cultivating fear and anxiety and worry that's affecting our presence and our prayers. So not only should we turn it down, there are things that we need to turn up. So I want to encourage all of us that we need to turn the volume up to what is helpful and to what is Hopeful. We need to turn the volume up that helps cultivate trust and settledness and hope in our life. And that volume that we need to turn up in all of our lives is the very words of Jesus. The, this gift of the Bible that God has given to us. We need to turn up the volume of what calms us or what recenters us, what reminds us of not just who's in control, but also reminds us of his love and his mercy and his kindness and that, yes, he is a father who's in control of all things and, yes, he has power beyond our imagination and he uses his control and his power for the honor of his name and the good of his people because he is a good father. And I need, and I'm encouraging all of us, to turn the volume up here to turn the volume up with the words of Jesus. So it's not just turning down the volume of lies and things that continue to cultivate fear and anxiety in us, but it's also turning the volume up to the words of Jesus that have a way of centering us, 
calming us, settling us, helping us to be the faithful, loving presence that our family and our neighbors need in this time. I desire to be more awakened and more aware to the presence of God in my life and around me. I desire to see and hear what God is doing in our world, in our community, in our lives. I want to grow in a deeper trust, and I want to have a hopeful realism. And guys, look, I'm not trying to make simplistic answers here. I'm just saying this is, this is, this is the way or one of the ways that this becomes a reality is when we turn down the lies that are fostering insecurity and fear and we turn up the words of Jesus Christ that then therefore combats fear and anxiety and brings a settledness and a trust in our own souls so that we can be the presence and pray for the good of our city. If the volume metaphor is not working for you, here's another question. Who, or better yet, where are you dwelling? So if the volume thing's not working for you, then they ask this question, where are you dwelling? Certain dwelling places in flame are worries and anxieties. I love what Zach Eswine, who's a pastor in Missouri, said. Sometimes we are tossed about by everything we dread but cannot find anchor, partly because of where we're choosing to dwell. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 91.1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Don't miss the connection of dwelling and resting. So if you're a Christian here, I just want to encourage you to pause today or sometime this week and pay attention to your dwelling places. Examine your own life. Where's the volume up that's cultivating fear and anxiety? Who and where do you need to turn the volume down in your life? Do the dwelling places I choose anxious me or anchor me? That's a good one to sit with. Do the dwelling places I choose anxious anxious me or anchor me? What would it be like for God and his promises to be your dwelling place today? I mean, I... With the change in the rhythm of our own schedules, I, I do feel like the Lord's inviting us, man, to maybe start, restart, reignite a rhythm in our lives that I think, um, and I'm not overstating this in any kind of pastoral cliche way, that has the power to drastically change your life and the atmosphere of your home. And that is to read your Bible and pray. That's the volume we're turning up. That sometime in the morning, sometime in the evening, at lunch, I don't know where it could happen in your life, but start a rhythm, a practice if you've not done it to get the words of God in you and spend time having a conversation with him. Turn down what is not helpful. Turn up 
what is. But maybe you're listening to this and you're not a Christian. I would say this to you. My encouragement would be the same that I'm encouraging those that are followers of Jesus Christ is that to read the Bible and begin to pray. And maybe you'd give me some pushback and say, okay, Lyle, I don't believe the Bible. And that's okay, it really is. I've said this before at our church all the time. Like you don't have to believe the Bible in order to read it. You read all kinds of things you don't really believe. And I'm just encouraging you to start somewhere. I've been reading through um, David Brooks, who's an author and, and writes as a yeah, columnist for the New York Times. Uh, he's got a book called Second, The Second Mountain, and would encourage it. It's a great little book. And, and in this book, he, he sort of shares his own spiritual journey as he uses language of spiritual wandering um, as he explores Christianity, and that's not exactly all that's about this book's about. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's about some of this. It is about a little bit of his own spiritual journey. But in it, I, I found this very um, helpful, and, and if you're not a Christian, hopefully this is helpful for you. He says this, many people during this time when he was kind of doing this spiritual wandering and exploring Christianity, he said, many people sent me books but the wisest sent me back to the story. If you want to have babies, make love. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. Bet you December is going to be a busy, busy month for babies, all right? If you want to have babies, make love. If you want to explore faith, read the Bible and pray. He goes on and says this. So I kept going back to the stories, wondering if they were true or more precisely letting the stories gradually sink into this deeper layer inside that was suddenly accessible. Walker Percy says that good fiction tells us what we know, but don't, but don't quite know that we know. The Bible is like that too. So if you're not a Christian today, I would just encourage you, carve some space. Maybe take the book of Luke or the book of Mark, read a chapter, read a paragraph, and open yourself up to God. Say, hey, speak to me. Help me to hear from you. Christian, let's turn the volume down to what creates anxiety and fear, and let's turn the volume up to the words of Jesus. Let's pray. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash jtown.